0: Babysitting service and have a nursery. But when those kids aren't around the presence of God, they're not sensing the presence of God. And so that's why we enjoy having them in the house of the Lord. And quite frankly, a few of them preach with me better than some of you adults. So praise God. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Second Corinthians chapter nine. Second Corinthians chapter nine. I'm continuing our series on the foundations of the church, the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself, the chief cornerstone. We've talked about establishing that the Bible is truly the Word of God that we can lean on in every situation and in every circumstance. We preached on agape love, that we have to have the Lord's love moving and flowing through us. We preached about seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Last week we talked about tithing, which was just as spiritual as agape love, by the way. And uh, today I want to talk a little bit about giving. And uh, if you didn't, I'm going to make my qualifying statements because I'm going to talk about money a little bit again. And some of you may not have been here last week or didn't hear it. I can preach this with all boldness because I don't know whether you give or not. There's only one person in here that knows whether you give. And her name is Taryn that's it. I know if our leaders are giving, but as far as the congregation, you know, you can let this go in one ear and out the other, but it'll be to your detriment, not to ours. So I don't know. I'm not up here to manipulate money out of anybody. If you want to give, give. If you don't, don't. That's between you and the Lord, but I'm just going to give you the principle and the word of God and let God speak to you. And, uh, I want to speak today on this entitled This, The Divine Law of Attraction. And you may have never heard a message on giving this way before. I hope you haven't. I hope it's brand new. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I want to start reading at verse number 6. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, The point is this. Okay, the first couple of verses, it's talking about taking up a collection for the Christians that were at Jerusalem, and and Paul finally gets it down to verse number 6. He says, this is what the point of all of this is. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, before I go on, you have to understand here Sparingly is a heart issue. And bountifully is a heart issue. It's not a dollar issue. The woman that gave two mites gave bountifully. The millionaire that gave a hundred bucks gave sparingly. It's a heart deal. How do I know that? Because verse 7 says so. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Okay, that has twofold meaning there. That means somebody's not twisting you to do it, and you're not doing it to get something from God. For God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word there is hilarious. He loves a hilarious giver. And notice this in verse number eight and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiently, Sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He's quoting the Psalms now. He has distributed freely what you have, he has given to you freely. Everything. Your paycheck that you may have seen deposited into your bank account before it disappeared to the bills. God gave that to you freely. Well, Pastor, no, I earned that. I worked for that. Oh, no, 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 no. That job's his. Your feet are his. Your hands are his. Your brain is his. He bought you with a price. He paid for it all. He distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse number 10 He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, in order for the giver of the seed to get to you so you can plant it in your ground, it will become more and more and more. It will multiply for you. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. Now, most preachers stop there. Let me tell you, God's not going to give you a bunch of extra just to give you a bunch of extra. But notice what he says. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Which through us, everybody saying that's me, produce thanksgiving to God. You and I are the measure of production of thanksgiving to God. It's the reason why in Thessalonians he says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Your thanksgiving level indicates your input and output level. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. Notice that. We don't just give just because we need to turn the lights on and we need to pay the bills and we need to do this and we need to do that. That's part of it, but that's not the only part of it. But is also the overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Notice the word plural there in thanksgivings. That means he gives us many blessings to be thankful for. Can I tell you the way that you sow is the way that you will reap? And if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. God, why haven't you done this and why haven't you done that? How much have you given? Now, don't misunderstand me when I preach this today. I'm not saying to anybody that if you give $100, he'll return 1000 to you but you're going to understand by the end of this message what I'm talking about by the concept of giving, I hope and pray. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Notice that the approval comes from the outsider based on what you as the insider have done. Friends and family are seeing, and they end up glorifying God because they see your submission and the generosity of your contribution. So the confession of the we we can preach the gospel of Christ all day long, and everybody's, yeah, 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 yeah. But notice what Paul said, it's not just the gospel, it's also the generosity of your contribution for them and all others. Praise God the divine law of attraction. I want to make a couple of statements before I get into the meat of what I want to share with you today. I, I want to make some statements on the concept of giving. We talked last week about the tithe. Okay? The tithe is the tenth or ten percent of what God has increased you in. And I believe that that is in partnership with God and established by God, and we taught about that. So if you have any questions, go watch last week's message on financial freedom. But I liken it to this. How many have been to a restaurant lately? Well, a few of you. And how many have received a thing at the end of your meal as it comes over and they set it down on the, on the table? Okay. Okay. Backup music. Just if it was a C3 organ, something may happen. Some of you will get that. But but you get the this receipt, if you will, or a ticket or a tab, whatever you want to call it, the check. And they bring it to the table. And if you read down that thing, there's two different lines that you are required to Uh, or not required, but that you have the opportunity to do. You pay for your bill. And then there's a blank line that says gratuity. Let me just give you the crude analogy. Your tithe is what is due. You pay that. You go to the restaurant and you pay the bill. You sit down. I can't even hardly sit down for $100 now with my kids. But uh, you sit down at a restaurant and you get the ticket or the check and there's a line there and it's almost emboldened in numbers to make sure that you're aware of what you're going to pay for. And what you are paying for is the resources, the things that the owner of the establishment has given to you. Now you can agree with the cost or not, you can be around them or not, they're okay, we got to get that, though. I know it. See, here's the thing. We get in there, and there's this bold number on that sales ticket. And and I'm not going to challenge you to do it, and I'm not going to dare you to do it. I'm just going to tell you not to do it. But there are people that have tested this concept, and they've tried to leave without paying that, and it doesn't go over very well. Okay? So I'm not going to challenge you to do that. I'm just going to say that's probably not the thing you want to do. And so when you get to this sales ticket item and that number is there, you're going to have to pay, and you're paying for the goods and services that the owner of the establishment has supplied. Whether you agree with the price of it or not, you're paying for that food that was on the plate. You're paying for the lights that are on in the restaurant. You're paying for the ovens and the dishwashers and all of the materials. That's what you're paying for because that's what they're giving to you. That's your tithe. God gives you everything in the establishment of your life and the establishment of the world. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's, the fullness of us, and and he is only requiring 10%. 10%. And he gives us that opportunity to pay that price to be in partnership with him. But in the restaurant, there's another line that's blank. And it says gratuity. And that line is blank because that line is there for you to give from the abundance of your heart. You are the one that decides what that is. And can I tell you on a spiritual level, that is simply the offerings to God. Uh, the Bible says it in 2 Corinthians, as you set it in your heart. And so the question becomes, how much are you going to sow? So that you can receive back From what it is, you see, we have to have an understanding that uh, we, when we give of our heart and we give of that expression of love, that's what God is looking for. Because that's not what He's expecting. He's expecting us to receive that, or uh, to give that which is from our heart. Now, I have told you in time past not to uh, to tip less than twenty percent. If you tip less than 20%, don't tell them you come to this church. I want to be known as a tipping church, a gracious church, because I've talked to enough waiters and waitresses to recognize that they understand when they're not doing a very good job. So why not blow their mind anyhow and give them 20%? So that's the difference between the tithe and the offering. The tithe is the expected amount for, that God has for you. The offering or the tip, if you will, the gratuity, the thankfulness, that's the reaping of your gifts. That comes from the other 90%. But here's what I notice in Malachi. It says, how have we robbed God in tithes and in offerings? Okay? So here's my four statements. Based on the Scripture, giving is not about problems but about priority. Notice in verse number 12, this ministry of service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's the overflow. It's not about problems, it's about priorities. Number two, it's not about wealth, but willingness. Well, I can't afford to give, neither could the woman with two mites. Again, this isn't me, I'm just keeping Bible. The argument that says I can't give unto the Lord will never wash with me because I see what we spend money on. Well, I can't give. I don't have enough money to give. Okay? Are you using a Keurig at home or are you going to Starbucks? No offense. Are you drinking water from the tap or are you buying the bottled water? See, now that gets right down really to the, where the rubber meets the road. We spend on what we want to I'm as guilty as the rest. I'm speaking to myself. How much money do we spend on eating out every week? It's a conversation in our house all the time. So you can't ever say, listen, like I said last week, but it, or, or, or last year, in fact, if you just gave up one meal of eating out per week for a family of four, you would be giving about $100 a week to God. It's about, I mean, even McDonald's is getting close to that. At least 50 for McDonald's. And you're you're just, and and so, but I like to eat. And I don't like to open the refrigerator and figure out what I'm going to make me. So it becomes easier for me to go through a drive-thru and grab me something and spend the 10 or 12 bucks on it. That's why I said it's not about wealth, it's about willingness. But if I want to sow into the kingdom of God, Would I be better off spending that $15 at a drive-thru or dropping it into an offering plate and let God multiply it? You see, he that sows sparingly. God do this, do this, and do how much have you sown? How much of you, and don't go away saying, well, it's, it's, it's not about money. It's, it's about everything. We give everything. Yes, we do, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But your money is the key component because it's only place in Scripture where God says you can't serve God and money. You serve one or the other. Money is attached to our hobbies. Money is attached to our time. Money is attached to our thought processes. Money is attached to our lifestyle. Money is a, so money encompasses. Where are you spending your money? And it's the reason why we say it's a gift. You are giving. Number three, it's not about obligation but opportunity. I learned this the hard way because I got called into my father-in-law's office. And I was not even the pastor at the time. I was the assistant pastor, and we were having special services, and we decided, well, we're not going to collect an offering or mention an offering or any of that. We're just going to supply the service and let people be and and not talk about it. And my father-in-law pulled me aside after church, and he said this, why did you take away my opportunity to give? Now, he's the only one that's ever asked that in 35 years of ministry. But it echoes in my spirit all the time. Why did you take away? That's why that box back there is there all week. If you're here for praise, prayer on a day, if you come for chain breakers, you come for a class, it's there. Feel free to drop it in. Because here's the thing. It's not about the church need. It, uh, the day may will never come, I don't believe. But if it comes, you'll know it because I'll come up and say, we've got an electric bill due. We need to have somebody give. I don't believe that's ever going to happen. But here's what I want to tell you is it's not about supplying the need of the church. It's about creating an opportunity for God to oh, into your life. And then lastly, number four, it's not about legalism. It's about lordship. It's the reason why I may do something different than all other churches because I have no clue who gives in this church or who doesn't give because that becomes, I don't care about who gives and who doesn't give. I hope you all give, but not because it's the church. I hope you all give because it's creating the opportunity for Jesus to do something great and powerful in your life. You see, God's law of attraction, he is attracted to one thing, And it's the one thing that you and I have that he can never have. You ever thought about this? You've got something that he'll never be able to have. Emptiness. God is attracted to things that are empty because he'll never be empty. Everything proceeds out of him. Everything comes from him. He has all and everything in him. He is the, f- the fullness of this whole entire earth. His. He has no need for anything. He is never empty. And so he is attracted to somebody that's empty. Do you want to know why he comes to you in the worst, darkest hour of your night? Because you're empty. Do you want to know why he comes to you when you're hurting and suffering and struggling? Because you're empty. Do you want to know why it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of earth through an eye of a needle than into the kingdom of God? Because they're not empty. He is attracted to our emptiness. He is not attracted to our talents. He is not attracted to our looks. He is not attracted to our personality. Why isn't he? Because he's the one that put them there. He is not attracted to the gift that he's placed in you because he's placed the gift there. He already knows what it was. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need your abilities. He doesn't need your talents. He doesn't need your thought processes. That all originates from him. The thing that he needs is an empty vessel. The thing that he needs is something that is hungry and thirsty for the thing that only he can give. And the problem is, is most of us are too full. God went from omnipresent to manifest presence. Because man was empty. What are you saying, Pastor? He was a divine figure. The Spirit of God in heaven talking everything into existence and controlling everything by the word of his mouth. And he held the whole whole creation, it was in his hand and all of that. But he recognized when he had to kick Adam and Eve out that sin caused an emptiness in their spirit that would cause us always to fall short of the things that he had prepared for us and all of the things that he wanted to give us. And so there was an emptiness in there. So he said, I've got to go down. And the only way I can make sure that they get filled up it is if I manifest myself in flesh, God with us, Emmanuel. And so he came and was born in Bethlehem in order to give us the opportunity to be full. Think about his first miracle. John chapter 2 in Cana of Galilee. Those people drank up all the good wine. To where Mary came and said, hey, Jesus, they're out. And Jesus says, well, what do you want me to do about it? Notice Mary didn't answer him. Mary talked to the servant and says, you just do whatever he tells you to do. What does Jesus notice? Six empty water pots. And he tells, now notice, Jesus doesn't ever touch the water pots. And he never touches the water. He tells the servants, that's me, fill up the water pot. And the Bible says he filled it up and then he said, take and draw and give it to the governor. Now, I don't know about you, but you have to understand the governor was in control of everything. And that servant took the little ladle, if you will, and put it into the water pot. And notice that Jesus wasn't dealing with the governor, the servant was. And I can almost see it. I got to give this. I know this is water. The Bible says it. Only the servants knew that it was water. I'm getting ready to give the dude that can take my neck, I'm giving him water. But somewhere... From the empty water pot to the governor's mouth, there is a transformation that takes place. There is a change from water into wine to where the governor responds, why did you save the good stuff to last? Listen, my friend, if they didn't have six empty water pots and if they didn't have a servant that would draw out the water, they may never have been the miracle of water into wine. And there may have been a whole different kind of story in the wedding of Canaan. And some of us are walking around our lives and we're thinking, God, why isn't this happening and why isn't that happening and why am I not getting breakthrough here? And my question to you today is, how empty are your water pots? Are they filled up with career goals? Are they filled up with hobbies? Are they filled up with a house? Are they filled up with family? Are they filled up with cars? Because if the water pots are full, God can't do anything with them. They've got to be emptied out. Listen, this this isn't a new principle. This is the oldest principle in Scripture. Look with me over in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. That's how far back this goes this attraction of emptiness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And notice the next verse and the earth was without form and void empty empty it was empty and what does the bible say the spirit moved or hovered you see when you're empty the spirit moves when you're an empty vessel when you're when you're just starving and thirsty I don't feel like coming to church. That's all right. You're empty. When you walk into the house of the Lord, you're worried about the bills. You're worried about the job. You're worried about the family. You're so, and you just have to empty yourself of it so that He can go. And then notice what happens. He said, after He moves, He says, "Let there be light." So there started with an emptiness. Then there was a moving of the Spirit. Then there was a transformation of that which was around him. My friend, the concept of giving is so that you can create in yourself an emptiness unto God so that the Spirit of God will move into your life and he will breathe into it and transform your life. God is not drawn to full. He's drawn to empty. How many have ever been around a know it all? If you haven't, that may be you. Just saying. How many enjoy being around a know it all? just wears you out. I want somebody that's empty, that's saying, God, I want a little bit more. God, I need a little bit more. Can I tell you what giving does of your finance? It releases and creates an emptiness in you. And that's why the, Paul wrote in Corinthians, it's according to your heart. How empty do you want to have your heart so that it can be filled? Well pastor, I've got bills and I've got all that. I've got his I understand all that. But we spend a lot of money on things that we really don't need. We spend a lot of money on things that we really want. That's why it's not a problem, it's a priority. God, I want more of you. And I recognized that the money that I spent on golf could be better spent in the kingdom because I want more of you. Does it mean I never golf again? No, but I shift my priorities. And I give. There's a scripture in Luke chapter 6. It's often quoted when we talk about finance. And it says this, Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over and placed in your lap. Now, I know and I'll be the first to tell you that that's not primarily talking about finance. In that passage of Scripture, it's talking about forgiveness and judgment. And the more you forgive, the more he's going to give, pressed down, shaken together and running over. The more that you judge, you're going to get the judgment in kind. So don't judge. That's why it says, judge not, that you be not judged. And because if you do judge, he's going to return the judgment. And he's going to give it to you, pressed down, shaken. I don't want that kind of judgment. But the principle can be applied outside of that passage that says when I give, He gives back, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Listen, I'm not saying dollar for dollar, but what I am saying is as you give unto the Lord, He may increase the angelic host around your vehicle. He may give you longer days and and better days, and He may open up this opportunity and that opportunity, and He'll may bless your family and your children and your nieces and your nephews and everything that's about you when you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, but If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. I heard a preacher say, and I believe it is true to this day, and it's an indictment on every Christian. This gentleman was preaching a message, and he felt like the Lord wanted him to say to the congregation, and I feel like God wants to say to this congregation today, My people want me, but they don't need me. My people want me. They like the goosebumps. They like what we felt earlier in the service. They like having to have... Uh, My presence touched them and ministered to them. They liked having the fellowship and all of the things, but they are not in need of me because they'll walk out of the church and they'll become more entrenched in their hobbies and their ideas and their homes and their families and their goals and their aspirations instead of being emptied out before me. I don't know about you, but I've got to get to the place where I need him. And the best way that Scripture lets me know that is through my giving, hilariously, cheerfully. God, I walked in today and I got extra 20 dollars. Let me give it. I'm not expecting you to bless me with $40. I'm not expecting a blessing at all, but I'm just creating space because there may be an opportunity this afternoon for me to talk to somebody that needs you. And I need your word moving through me. I need to create within me an opportunity for God to move. Because after He moves, something changes. God, I've been in a rut. God, I've, I've simply been going through the motions, and I love you, and I enjoy being at church, and I enjoy reading your word, but there's, that passion is gone, that, that fire is gone. My friend, have you become too full instead of giving it away? Because the Bible told us in the passage that we read, he's not generous with us just so that we receive the blessings, but he is generous with us so that we are generous. The most beautiful sea in the world is the Sea of Galilee, not because it was where Jesus was, but because it was created by Jesus to have an outflow, and that outflow gives it life, but it flows down to the Dead Sea where there is no life because there is no outflow. See, when we get so full, L- let me do this. Let me get, get an illustration. Travis, can you can help me? Jason, come and help me. Okay, and in this illustration, because I never play God in my illustrations, I usually let one of them be godly, but I'm going to play God today. Is that all right? Let me make sure the cap's tight. But if I'm God And I come to Travis, and I just start pouring into him, going all the way down to the soles of his feet, and it just keeps coming up. And then I move over to Jason, and I do the same thing. And then I go to Birdie, and then I go to Dennis, and then I go to Nicole, and I keep doing it. And then all of a sudden, it's time to come back to Travis. And I come back, and I get ready to pour, but nothing is gone. It's still full. Am I going to pour more or am I just not going to pour? But I come to Jason, and Jason has poured it out. I mean, he's down to his ankles empty again. I'm going to fill him back up, and then I'm going to move to the others and see if they're empty. Until Travis decides to empty himself out by giving that stuff, I can't pour back into him. And the reason why financial giving is so important is because what I said before, your finances is tied to everything you do. Well, Pastor, I'll I'll give up fishing. Okay, that's fine. Give it up all day long. But are you going to give the money that you're spending on fishing to create the emptiness, or are you just not going to do it? See, Travis can't go sit on the shoreline and just not do anything to get it empty. He's got to give it away. And then God is standing back ready. He doesn't use this little bottle either. He's got the whole universe bottled up. (laughs) Thank you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank you. You have to be empty. Or when He comes back to you to refill you, there's nothing to refill. I enjoy drinking water. I enjoy it even more when my boys walk upstairs and ask them to fill it up. While you're up here, can you fill this for me? And I know I do it because my dad did it to me. But they would never be able to fill up my cup if I never emptied the cup. And Jesus is never able to fill you up until you empty yourself out. Well, pastor, what are you saying? Does that mean I have to give up everything and give everything and pay all this kind of money? No, no, no. As it is in your heart, it's between you and God. Now, I know of a man, I've used his example before, he teaches one of the greatest series on stewardship. His name is Robert Morris. He pastors Gateway Church in Texas. And I know... Last I heard, I know there's at least three times in his life that God told him to sell everything that he owned, cars, clothes, houses, everything, 401Ks, retirement stuff, sell it all, get rid of it all on three different occasions, and God has blessed him for it. Am I saying that's what you've got to do? No, that's not what you've got to do. But what I am saying is, between you and God, you know how much you can give to create space. In you to receive back from Him. If I asked you to raise your hand today, I think just about anybody in here would say, I want to be blessed. You can't be blessed if you're all full. The reason why too many people are living on yesterday's blessings is because they haven't released the blessings of yesterday. And let me even go on just a little bit more in, in, in just, a, just one more, two or more minutes. It's simply this. You want to know what debt is? Now, I think probably everybody here has some kind of debt, myself included. We, we, we're, we're, but you want to know what debt is? Here's what debt is. Debt is reaching to the future and taking the opportunity to have something given to us by God and spending it into today. We are robbing our opportunity in the future for today. And we've all done it. And God understands that. So how do we fix that? We start trying to get debt free. I sound like Dave Ramsey up here. Try to get debt free and get all that taken care of. But start giving things away. Here, here, I'll just, I'll close with this. And I hope you're understanding where I'm coming from. But when you put the money in the offering plate or online in this church, it does help us put lights on and heat and air conditioning. It does help us to pay the insurance and all of that stuff. But can I tell you what it's really done? It's emptied that building, filled this building, I want you to look around you. There's not that many seats open in this church anymore. We're getting very close having to make decisions and and movement in order to make a place for more people. Why? Because somewhere in this church's history, somebody gave. Somebody gave. In this church, we have two areas of giving on an every week basis. And then we have special offerings from time to time. We just finished up at the end of the year the Creating Space offering. We'll share that with you at the business meeting. But two that are always there, the general fund. Sometimes I'll figure out a better name for that. But just an offering. You see, you have tithe, that's separate. You have general fund giving, that's separate. And then we give to Acts Ministry, which helps support the Kiesels, which, by the way, will be back with us in June. And then uh, we support the Orphanage, and then we support uh, Lost Sheep Ministries. And, and, And so those are the things that we support and we give, and because we're giving. So the church, as the board in this church and as this church, we are operating by the same principle that I'm sharing with you today. There's not a penny of our acts ministry that stays here because we're constantly wanting to create a flow of blessing for God. So when it comes in every month, Taryn sends it out to create space for God to give us some more. And every time somebody gives more, and every time somebody, and we get it out, we're not making a church filthy rich here. We're trying to touch people's lives. And the more we pour into it and we pour out of it, the more God says, okay, I can give them a little more. I can send these other people I can send these kids, I can send this youth, I can do this, because they're willing to give as unto the Lord. If you have not been a giver, I invite you to stand. If you have not been a giver in time past, I am challenging you. If you are married, go home and talk with your spouse and set up a giving some way to consistently give of your finance. Pastor, I don't know. I've got bills. I've got this. I've got that. Oh, I know. I've been there. Done that several times. But like I said last week, in the seasons of our lives when we did not tithe, we struggled financially. And I can echo that this week. In the years and the seasons that we did not give, we struggled financially. But in the seasons that we've tithed and the seasons that we've given, has it always been an extra $5,000 in the bank account at the end of the month? No, but we haven't gone hungry. I have had a house over my head my entire life because I was raised in the house of a tither and a giver. She was raised in the house of a tither and a giver. I've been a tither and a giver. Trisha's been a tither and a giver. We've never had to sleep outside of a roof. We always had a roof. And when we didn't know where the food was coming from, My friend, don't think that we've always had it all together. We haven't. We're a work in progress just like all of us are. But there were times, especially in our early marriage, where we weren't making anything. If I told you what we made as a weekly income before taxes, you would be shocked. And there were months where there were only a couple of hot dogs left in the fridge. And invariably, a knock would come on the door and open it. And Dr. Jackson was standing outside the door with an armful of groceries, saying, God told me to bring this over to you guys. Aunt Lois, we'd go have dinner with them on a Sunday afternoon. Aunt Lois would pull Trisha aside and said, I went shopping. Here's a little bit for you. And the little bit was about 10 baskets full of groceries. And Lois didn't know that we didn't have two nickels to rub together. She just knew that we had been giving. And she gave through God. And God blessed them because they gave. Do you see? It's a whole entire cycle. When you give unto the Lord with no other mindset than to create an opportunity, God, I don't know what's coming my way. I'm not asking you for more money. I'm not asking you for a new job. But as I give this $20 bill in the offering, I'm just asking you for the opportunity for you to move in me again. He'll look at you, and he'll see the voidness, if that's a word. He'll see the void in you, the emptiness in you, and he'll start moving. And then he steps into your life, and he says, Let there be, and there is. The law of attraction. God is attracted to your emptiness. So I'm going to give. God, I'm going to give of my finance, I'm going to give of my time. I'm going to give of my energy. I'm going to create an empty vessel, God, so you can fill me up. And when you fill me up, I'm going to pour you back out of me. And then I'm going to get filled up again And because I'd rather be filled with a fresh touch of God. If his mercies are new every morning, I want his fresh touch every morning. I don't want to live on last week's anointing. I don't want to live on last week's blessings. I want to empty myself out every day so every morning when I hit the alarm clock, all of a sudden in my spirit, whoosh, I filled you up for the day, and all day long I'm emptying myself out so that the next morning. (sighs) Jesus, I pray over this congregation right now. speak. I that word today. Jesus, I'm all yours. Lord, help me to become a giver. Help me to become a giver. Because I want you moving in my life. I want to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. So help me, Lord, empty myself out by giving. So that there's an opportunity for you to fill me. I pray over this congregation. This is a blessed congregation and you are doing a mighty work. It's evident by looking just across the platform earlier and seeing all these beautiful children and parents and and aunts and uncles that want to see their children raised in the house of the Lord and to see all of the faces that are in this house I'm so thankful and humbled God by the blessings that you have placed on this church but Lord I'm hungry for more And, Lord, I know that if we begin to be givers, you're going to give more and more as we, Lord, so bountifully you will give us a bountiful harvest. And I'm praying, Lord, for the encouragement of the Holy Ghost to come in and the trust in who you are because you are the ultimate giver. And, God, I'm asking you to give us a brand-new shift or a brand-new change to become a brand-new giving church. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
1: Where the Lord is getting ready to take us. And I feel like this is something that we say a lot, but that is because this church has been on the move for quite some time. We never want to stop moving under his hand in his direction. We never want to get comfortable. So that we're like, no, we're good. We'll stay here. Um, Because he will find someone who will move with him. And I want to say yes. There's a level of trust that comes when you step out in faith. Um, And he put this in me last week, and then he's three times down here, and I was like, if he says, honey, do you need to say something, then I'll say it. The Lord is like, you better say what I'm telling you to say. Um, Twice in our ministry, the Lord has provided the time that my Aunt Lois, we went to her house. My mom had previously been over to our house. We were getting ready to make a ministry change. And through various circumstances, um, we ended up losing our income. And I was being offered. I would sub during the summer, since I was in high school, um, for a temp agency. She called me. She said, I have a job for you, but I need you to say yes. And I was like, well, just tell me what the job is. She was like, no, I can't because you're going to tell me you can't do it, and I just need you to say yes. And I'm like, well, no, no way. She's like, Trisha, say yes. And I felt the Lord like, and I was like, okay. And she goes, there's a lawyer. And I was like, no way. Um, and she was like, you have to take this. I know it's for you. So I went. With the help of the Lord, I was scared to death. I had never worked in a lawyer's office before. He had one of those little tiny IBMs that the letters still came across. You had to kind of wait for it to catch up when you, when you typed in orange letters. And I'm, I'm writing contracts. I've never done it before. And the Lord used that job to get us through. When it was time to leave, he called me in his office, and he said, we want to hire you. Your pay would change from what you were getting from the temp agency. I'll pay the fee that they require. We want to hire you. And I said, oh, well, your, your assistant's going to be back in two days. It's going to be fine. And he was like, that's not what I'm worried about. I want to bring you onto my staff, and this is what you will be making. There was no hesitation. Was it tempting? Yeah, yeah, it was tempting, but there was no hesitation. I said, "I'm sorry, sir, I can't take this job. We're being called to Kansas City. The Lord is called." What are you going to do? What are you going to do there? I can be—I can beat that. And I'm like, "Well, I'm sure you can, because <laughs> I'm not going to another lawyer's job." Um, but in that transfer. I didn't hesitate. I said, no, we have, we have already committed to go and youth pastor in Kansas City, and that's what we're going to do. And he was like, I'm just really disappointed. And I'm like, I'm, I thank you for that. The Lord taught me a lot through this job that I could really rely on him. Um, but in that time, we didn't know how I was going to get insulin. And so we were just trusting the Lord. We move to Kansas City. I'm on my last bottle, and I'm trusting the Lord. I skipped the part about my Aunt Lois. My mom had been to our house. She went for our refrigerator, because she asked me, do you guys have enough food and everything? I was like, yeah, we're fine. Not. I lied to my mom. And she said, really? And she started to walk, and I stood in front of her and like changed the subject. Went the next day to my Aunt Lois's. And they're all. She kept her house like spick and span, and there are all these grocery bags on the floor. I said, Aunt Lois, I can help you put this stuff away. And she said, No, baby, you go over there and you get those bags, and you take and fill them with what's in those bags. And I remember I just inhaled and went. <gasps> and she goes, Jesus told me that you guys didn't have any food. Fill those bags. And of course, I started crying. And my mom goes, "What are you crying about?" And I said, "Ambulance told us to me be food because we don't have any food." She said, "You just told me yesterday that you had food." And I was, but she knew it was something we had to walk through. There is what I'm trying to tell you is there's a level of trust that's built when you just go ahead and you do. It. And it, we give in all sorts of ways, but this is especially a way that God just—he just proves himself. I was on my last bottle. And my friend called from Delaware. She was actually not in Delaware. She was in Texas. She had moved from, she had went to Texas for ministry. And she said, Tricia, don't you take um, regular insulin? And I said, yeah. And she said, what's the other one you take? It t- starts with an N. And I said, yes. And she said, there's a guy in our church. They just changed his medication. He has a box full of both of those. So I need to, like, put that on dry ice, right? And I was like, yes.
2: <laughs>
1: and she goes, can you not use it? I said, Trisha, I was on my last bottle. And she began to cry. She was like, I know that's the Lord. Isn't that how he works? It happened again when we came out here. Declan was tiny. We had to go back to Kansas City. And I had to have my last checkup with my OB and she's looking at me, and I'm, you know, I'm just, like, so many things, because it was all so new. And she was, like, you know, chit-chatting about, saying, I just love that baby. He's so cute. I just loved being your doctor. And then she all of a sudden, she stops and looks at me and says, what can I do for you? And I said, oh, I'm good. I'm feeling really good. You know, I'm not even thinking that. She said, no, you need something. What can I do for you? And the Lord, I said, I don't know how I'm going to get insulin because we don't have any insurance, and I can't get it without a prescription. And she said, oh, well, I can take care of that. Wrote me out a prescription. She said, if they need to call me from whatever pharmacy, my number's right here. You tell them to call. We're getting this done. She said, because you will have insurance. Because she watched how God provided for us, changed a doctor who had lost her mind, and put me smack in front of this doctor who took me through the rest of the pregnancy with no problem whatsoever. God is faithful, He cares about all the stuff. There was a level of trust that was established in me that cannot be shaken. It's not just about money. It's about relationship. It's about us learning another part of him that when he says he will provide, that he will give it pressed down, shaken together, and running over, he'll back it up every time. And he'll teach us valuable things. If you are coming from a past that things were just broken and out of whack and there was never enough money because it was always spent on other stuff, break the cycle. Break it. Say, no, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. That is not the past I came from, but guess what? When it was time to walk the walk and talk the talk, I had to do it for myself. My blessings did not come from Don Smalley and his, don't you dare take an opportunity for me to be blessed. He was a giver and, and, and more, but he taught me valuable things. I watched God provide for our family. I watched him provide for my diabetes and my care over and over again. He will come through, and in so many ways, and you'll learn so many things about him. Beautiful things. I say it all the time. He will provide for those things you never speak of. that you tell no one. Be really awesome, Lord. Just you and him. It's the sweetest thing.
2: Just you and him.
1: It's the most beautiful relationship you will ever have. And if you invest in it, it will blow every other relationship out of the water. I love him. I love my kids. But my Jesus is number one. And he'll show up and say, see, I did that. I heard it when you said it. I heard it when you prayed it. I heard when you said, I just don't know how I'm ever going to be whole again. And I'm putting you back together piece by piece and creating what I always intend. Amen. Isn't he beautiful? He's amazing. Can we sing
2: that chorus? I give myself away
1: Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you for taking the time, Lord, to minister to us and to teach us the principles, God, that will give us abundant life in a way that we have not yet experienced, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the path that you set this church on. We're going to have to have a new level of trust, Lord. We're going to have to step out in faith before we even know where we're stepping But you've proven that time and time again, Lord. We trust you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to grow in you, to grow in relationship, in the beauty of who you are, in the beauty of who you are to us as individuals and as a mighty body of believers. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen, amen. God bless you. We love you so very much. Have a very blessed week this week. You won't have to freeze as bad. In Jesus' name. I'm sorry, just before you go.